the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Thursday, August 4th, 2022. Our phone number is 602 If you'd like to get in on the conversation or start when you're on, 602-5080-960. The sentencing of Brittany Griner by Russia today concentrates the mind on a few failures we've been discussing where the actual is beginning to prove the theoretical. When U.S. presidents are weak or project a weak United States, American hostages are taken. This was true of Americans, including Arizonans and Syria. This was true of 52 hostages held for 444 days by Iran. And it was true in testing times for other new presidents. The pullout a year ago from Afghanistan was our Saigon moment, as if we needed a second one. After Saigon in 1975, which Joe Biden as a U.S. senator helped bring about with his vote to cut off our aid in Vietnam that year. After Saigon in 1975, America was and looked weak. Remembering Aristotle's definition of power, which is the ability to be and make things be, America from Saigon to Jimmy Carter could not make things be or deter any negative things from their imminence. Ten countries fell from 1975 to 1981. They fell to communist, Soviet-inspired tyrannies. Marxist organizations and movements became Marxist governments. We are still paying for that, as are those countries. Afghanistan is still yielding junk bonds from our capitulations, aided and abetted by Jimmy Carter, broadcasting to the world when he was president, that we need to get over our inordinate fear of communism. His words, the fear of communism was inordinate. I suppose that would be true to the leaders of communist movements, but never true for those that had to live under them. And Iran, ever intelligent, ever watchful, took the measure of this country and the president and took hostages, American hostages, in Iran and, of course, throughout Lebanon. G. Kirkpatrick, then a professor at Georgetown, summed up the Carter presidency this way, quote, In the 30-odd months since the inauguration of Jimmy Carter as president, there has occurred a dramatic Soviet military buildup matched by the stagnation of American armed forces and a dramatic extension of Soviet influence in the Horn of Africa, Afghanistan, Southern Africa, and the Caribbean, matched by a declining American position in all these areas. The U.S. has never tried so hard and failed so utterly to make and keep friends, close quote. Well, we have that now, except it took only 19 months. A.J. P. Taylor put it that history does not reveal its alternatives, but it's hard to imagine American hostages being taken and Russia aggression combined with Chinese aggression rising rather than abating as it did were Donald Trump president or any strong leader. Building back better does not mean abandoning ground. That's called destruction, 
not building. The Afghan situation is going to stick here as it reveals so very much, including the memory from a year ago that our president promised us al-Qaeda was gone in Afghanistan, thus safe to leave it to the Taliban, only to see the founder and leader of al-Qaeda was living openly in a Tony neighborhood of the capital city run by the Taliban in Afghanistan, whose government we handed to them. To show the discounted and dismayed sense of America's cultural footing, how many stories are we seeing about al-Zawahiri's death? How much interest in pictures or his burial? Those reports and inquiries were everywhere when bin Laden was killed. Well, this man was bin Laden's teacher and brought al-Qaeda into being from all his other terrorist organizations, which is why al-Qaeda's name itself means what it means, which is the word base. It means the base. It was the base of all the organizations and networks Zawahiri had created. And thus, Iran is back too, because, of course, it's part and parcel of the al-Qaeda, Taliban, and Afghanistan problem. As Adam Credo is just now reporting, the man likely to become al-Qaeda's next leader has spent decades using Iran as a base of operations and maintains deep ties to the hardline regime, signaling that two of the globe's leading terrorist forces could exponentially expand relations in the near future. Saif al-Adel, al-Qaeda's number two leader and longtime head of its security arm, fled to Iran in the early 2000s, along with other senior leaders, following the September 11 attacks. From there, he helped relay orders to Ayman al-Zawahiri and orchestrate terrorist operations that killed dozens of people, including Americans, according to former U.S. officials and information on the Iran-Al-Qaeda axis published by watchdog groups. Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps protected al-Adel during his time in the country, and the regime permitted him to plan deadly terrorist attacks, including a May 2003 operation in Saudi Arabia that killed eight Americans. Adele's suspected presence in Iran has raised further questions regarding Iranian influence on al-Qaeda if Adele were to be named leader, according to the United Against Nuclear Iran, an advocacy group that closely tracks Iran's regional terror operations. These ties have only deepened since President Joe Biden's bungled withdrawal from Afghanistan that left the Taliban in power and the country in shambles. Senior leaders in Iran's Quds Force and elite IRGC branch remain in close contact with al-Qaeda leaders, and since the fall of Afghanistan have provided some al-Qaeda leaders with travel documents and safe haven, according to European intelligence. The Iran-Al-Qaeda alliance, former U.S. officials have told the newspaper The Free Beacon, has quietly grown for many years, making the prospect of a new nuclear deal with Iran, which will provide Tehran with billions of dollars in cash, beneficial for its allies in al-Qaeda. Iran and Sunni organizations working together, you may say? Impossible. Impossible. The new Georgetown, Brookings, John Hopkins types, they'll tell you Sunnis and Shiites want to kill each other, not work together, which will tell you they should not be listened to. Iran is mentioned dozens of times throughout the 9-11 Commission report for its work in helping al-Qaeda operatives, secreting them, engaging in training and operations with them. And now, in 19 months, with this economy a shambles and Iran and Afghanistan and Russia being back, so too is the near entirety of the template of history 
from the miserable late 1970s. Miserable to the people of the United States and miserable to the people who have to live under those who hate the United States. I'm not carrying an especially emotional brief for Brittany Griner, but our enemies take their Americans as and where they find them. Miss Griner is someone who, while rewarded with an expensive contract and endorsements for her job, which is her dream, which is playing professional va- basketball, this is someone who would not stand for the national anthem or Pledge of Allegiance. In fact, she asked her franchise right here in Phoenix not to even play the national anthem before games. Last month, she had cause to write the President of the United States to tell him, quote, freedom means something completely different to me this year, close quote. So it meant nothing to her when she was here. In fact, the opposite of nothing as she tried to deprive fellow countrymen and women of paying homage to the country and flag and freedom so many died for so that she and I and you could be free and thrive here, even on occasion be rewarded with millions of dollars for the cherished ability to be paid to have fun and play your sport. But as I say, our enemies take Americans as and where they find them. And in this case, they found an American breaking the law, which could be served up as a pretense to hold Miss Griner hostage. Other hostages have come back to America only to denounce us after they returned. Shame on them. Brittany Griner, however, might be the first on record to denounce us before she was taken captive and suddenly found the need for America's and Americans' succor. Shame on her. Nevertheless, the real shame is that countries think they can push us around. They think that because their theoreticals have also been met by actuals. And the actuals here are a president and presidency that listeth from an administration that denigrates the notion of American greatness as it tries to implore our enemies to negotiate with us and take our Danegeld even when they do not seem to want it. I quoted Gene Kirkpatrick's famous 1979 essay above. It's called Dictatorships and Double, Double Standards. It shaped the Ronald Reagan administration's foreign policy. I quoted from its very beginning. Here was or is its very ending. Quote, after she identifies the tragic depredations of the Carter years, she concludes, quote, for these reasons and more, a posture of continuous self-abasement and apology vis-a-vis our enemies is neither morally necessary nor politically appropriate. No more is it necessary or appropriate to support vocal enemies of the United States because they invoke the rhetoric of popular liberation. Liberal idealism need not be identical with masochism and need not be incompatible with the defense of freedom and the national interest. Close quote. The problem is today it is. And even if too many here don't care, you know who does? Russia, China, Iran, the Taliban, the North Koreans, and so many others. If their care is animated and fueled further, those who here don't care now will be forced to soon. It didn't have to be this way. But alas, Real politic and every other form of serious foreign policy has given way to the masochism Dr. Kirkpatrick described. Masochism as a base 
of foreign as well as domestic policy should be seen for what it is, a sickness. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. For those of you looking for a remarkable investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out my friends at Y-Refi. Y-Refi is offering a fixed, no-load interest rate up to 10.25% return for investors, all in a collateralized and secure portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm where investors do well by doing good for others, and you can too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, and then refy.com. Investyrefi.com or give them a call at 855-316-3087. 855-316-3087. I want to read this op-ed or a part of it from the Wall Street Journal uh, today. But, um, but uh, I also want to bookmark a thought about it. And uh, if I forget to do it, Bill, you can remind me. I want to circle back to the specific of Joe Manchin. West Virginia Joe Manchin last fall sharply and rightly criticized a bonus tax credit for union-made electric vehicles in the Build Back Better bill. Quote, we shouldn't use everyone's tax dollars to pick winners and losers, close quote, he said. Yet that's exactly what his tax and climate deal with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer does. The 725-page bill is riddled with green goodies that favor unions and projects located in specific regions. Most tax credits for renewable energy projects are five times more generous if contractors pay, quote-unquote, prevailing wages, which is to say union-scale wages, and employ workers participating in apprenticeship programs which are also run by unions. The new base tax credit for solar and wind production would be $5.2 per megawatt hour, which is less than the existing 26 megawatt hour subsidy. However, investors in projects that meet the bill's labor specs would be able to claim $26 and $28 megawatt hours if 100% of their steel is made in the United States. Didn't President Biden antagonize steel exporting Canada enough by canceling the Keystone XL pipeline? Another example of union favoritism is the tax credit for carbon sequestration from manufacturing or fossil fuel combustion. The credit is usually $35 per ton of captured and stored CO2, which is about half the break-even cost for most projects. The Manchin-Schumer deal cuts the base credit to $17 per ton, but increases it to $85 per ton for projects that meet its labor standards. Manufacturers and fossil fuel companies that hope to take advantage of the subsidy would effectively have to use union labor. Same for nuclear plants. The base $3 MWH nuclear tax credit isn't enough to keep plants afloat amid an onslaught of heavily subsidized renewable energy costs. But those that meet labor benchmarks can claim $15 per MWH and may stand a fighting chance. One effect of all these bonus credits will be to raise project costs, which will be borne by utility rate payers and taxpayers, you and me. They could also push up wages in local local labor markets and raise costs for manufacturers and contractors that don't benefit from government handouts. So public works, housing and goods could become even more expensive. How does any of this, by the way, reduce inflation? 
The bill also increases renewable tax credits by an additional 10 to 20 percent for projects located in, quote unquote, environmental justice communities, i.e. democratic cities, and 10 percent for those in areas that have or had significant fossil fuel employment. This is intended to compensate for the economic harm from the government's force-fed green energy transition, but it will also distort capital allocation. Boone County, West Virginia probably isn't an ideal place to locate a solar farm, but investors may decide to locate one there in order to pocket more government handouts. Mr. Manchin no doubt expects his state to benefit from the corporate welfare and political direction of capital, but he shouldn't be so sure it won't end up as one of the losers. Above all, The bill punishes companies and contractors whose workers aren't unionized. It will also reduce the economic advantage of states like here in Arizona that have less unionized workforces and lower labor costs. They have worked hard to create a business-friendly climate that attracts private investment, including in green technologies, but this bill will punish that. The bill could also lead to short-term jobs in renewable construction, replacing steady ones in fossil fuels. Has Mr. Manchin considered all of the bill's potential economic consequences? He was right last fall when he said government shouldn't pick winners and losers. And here he is doing it right now. The point I want to talk about over all this is based on a discussion I had with a friend yesterday who was, uh, you know, just up in arms and angry over what Joe Manchin was doing. And... I had to exhibit not exactly the same response. I wasn't as angry as he was, not because I support the outcome any much more so than he does. I hate it. I hate it. If I were in the Senate, I would work as hard as I could to defeat it. But because I don't expect that much from Joe Manchin, he's in a party that I think has the last thing the interest of the American people as its main ideological objective and set of public policy plans go. And I also think that we somehow engage in fooling ourselves when we think our economic, fiscal or national or other social forms of defense and security can rest and rely on a single individual, be he a Republican or Democrat. This is not the way to rest easy, basing all hope on one man, particularly of the other party. I had the same view when it came to free speech, Twitter, and Elon Musk. Nice that he was going to try and save it for us, but not so nice when you step back and think about the condition we're in where we have to rely on one billionaire immigrant to the United States to vouchsafe our First Amendment freedoms. It's not a good place to be in. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by the good people at Midas Gold Group. Every day, more harmful decisions by this administration are hurting the economy, robbing you of your savings and investment. Inflation at a 41-year high, making your money worth even less. 
The good news is when investments fail and fall, gold traditionally holds its value, which is why I recommend calling the Midas Gold Group, the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, to talk about safeguarding your wealth with physical gold. Give them a call at 480-360-3000 to get their analysis and diversify your investments or MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com or 480-360-3000. We're going to talk to Professor Charles Lipson, L-I-P-S-O-N. I I have to spell it just so we're not related. Um, uh, Charles Lipson. He's a professor of political science at the University of Chicago, and he has a piece up at Real Clear Politics today about uh, the failing um, media, failing credibility in the media, uh, particularly newspapers, a little bit on television news, but particularly newspapers. Some astounding statistics in that article, if you want to read it before he's on, perhaps at the top of the hour break. Um, But... uh, for example, did you know this is an incredible thing? I, I guess it never dawned on me, and, and I didn't know this, and I wouldn't have guessed it. But in this country of, uh, what, 331, 32 million people, there's only one newspaper in the country with, only, with over a million subscribers, only one, and only nine with 100,000 or more? That's really quite incredible. We're going to talk about some of that and some of what has led to that and some of what it means in our third hour, but... One of the interesting things I'm noticing is far from trying to appeal to broader audiences, the corporate mainstream legacy, whatever you want to call it, media is actually doubling down on their ideological rigidity. So, for example, The View, uh, the ladies of The View over on ABC, uh, they've just hired Um, their conservative host replacement. Actually, they hired um, two. Uh, One of them is Alyssa Griffin, and the other is someone who had already been on and off there a lot, Anna Navarro. Uh, Both of them are not only questionable in their conservatism, uh, they are both ardent never-Trumpers. How could this possibly be with Alyssa, you say? Wasn't she in the Trump White House? You bet she was until... The Trump presidency was over, and she turned against the administration with a vengeance. Now, she will get praised and will and has been praised for having a, um, you know, uh, an awakening of her conscience and a separation from the cult, you know, growth in her maturity of political outlook for denouncing all her former employers. Not so fast. Not so fast. You you aren't finding this in most of the conservative never-Trumpers in the media. Most of the conservative never-Trumpers in the media are, first of all, self-described conservatives. Second of all, hard to find much conservative about what they have to say anymore. Third, most of their time is spent denouncing Republicans or fellow conservatives, again, if they describe themselves as conservatives, which they do. And finally, have we all lost sense of our common sense? Have we all lost our senses in trying to understand how it works in an unfavorable administration and what happens when you leave there? What happens when you leave there is you're looking for work. 
and you aren't going to find work, especially in the Beltway or in the what we used to call excuse me, what we used to call Gucci Gulch, K Street, the lobbyist community, you're not going to find these lucrative jobs if you're of the wrong political opinion and you support the wrong political party, and especially if that political party is headed by former President Donald Trump. These are butt-saving things, not changes of principle, not awakenings to conscience. And the view in ABC and the American public on the liberal left side of things will eat it up all day long. My pitch is that conservatives, if you want to have a conservative movement of any kind of leader or any kind of leadership, quit trading in your principles for lucre. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Balance of Nature. I take it every single day for my health, my immunity, my energy, nothing better. Pure, potent plant power, 100% natural. It's one daily dose gives you a blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables and vegetarian capsules. Best product I've ever taken. You can take it too at balanceofnature.com. Make sure and use discount code BALANCE. What a delight, privilege, and honor to uh, welcome to the show the successful candidate for the Republican Party's nomination for Arizona's Attorney General, Abraham Hamaday. Abe Hamaday, congratulations. Welcome back to the show, sir. Thank you, Seth. It's an honor to be back on. Abe, I got to tell you, I mean, this was a hard, long-fought campaign. You came from seemingly nowhere to dominate a field of, you know, well-known names in the Republican Party and in different legal circles here. So harder to train and deploy on behalf of the United States in uniform or to win a race like this one? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I definitely think this race is harder. (laughs) I thought maybe, yeah. Um, you're right. I was going against some heavyweights in my field and, you know, I, I, I tweeted out of the press release. I, I wish that we can all come together to sure. defeat the radical leftist Chris Mays, um, who would be abysmal to our state and not just abysmal, but dangerous to our state, um, with her radical policies. And I, at this point, you know, I understand everybody has their favorite horses in this race, but, you know, now the people of Arizona and Republicans have spoken to nominate me to be the nominee for attorney general. And it's, it's an honor and I'm not going to let them down. And, you know, I, I ran this race by traveling, as you know, Seth, by putting 27,000 miles in my vehicle, going across the state, out strategizing everyone, out working them. And it's paid off and it's going to pay us off again in November as well, because there's so much at stake. I, I think when people heard me, you know, speaking around around Arizona, what they can sense is that authenticity and that sincerity that too often uh, people who run for office lack. And, you know, I, I'm in the fight for, you know, my generation's uh, fight and, and, and what's going on in our country. I am the youngest statewide candidate, I think, in the country, actually. Um, and, and I recognize, you know, with that comes an enormous amount of responsibility. And, you know, we're taking things very seriously. And, we're going to have results coming very, very soon after he went in November. Uh, amen to all of that. And as far as, you know, other candidates in a primary race, yes, we get that uh, there's some bruising that goes on and there's some uh, bruising of egos as well as hearts, minds and souls. But 
take a day or two if you must to let those bruises heal. We do principles over personalities here. And that's right, Abe. As you said, if we believe in the right to vote, which we all do, then we believe in accepting the results of those votes, as we all should. And the the opponent here is not anyone else in the Republican Party who may share your views anywhere on a scale from about 80 to 100 percent, as opposed to an attorney general or an office holder who will share your views, maybe 1 percent. This should not be a close call. So uh, anyone in earshot, uh, please understand we are all about uniting the party of principle over being a party of personality. So God speak to you, Abe. Yeah, no one did work. I've never seen a candidate work as hard as you did. Uh, the stakes were really high. And th- what you're up against in your Democratic opponent is a huge machine. Uh, we're up to the task. I know you're up to it. Uh, but we're up to the task of pushing you um, uh, and supporting you on this. Because, I mean, just as we're not supposed to be talking about things like how George Soros is funding progressive prosecutors... <laughs> Because that's yeah. deemed like beyond the beyond the appropriate uh, beyond the appropriate uh, coin of discourse, he puts an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal this week saying he's doing just that. Abe, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're not even hiding it. No, they're not hiding it, and they're going to get involved in my race to, to try to get Chris Mays elected. And they're going to get involved in the Maricopa County Attorney's race. And if you look at how with my my opponent Chris Mays, her top priorities for the office that she's already mentioned were environmental justice and abortion rights. Right. You know, that, that's shocking to, for someone who's seeking the office of attorney general to have those be your top priorities. I mean, you would think it would be to restore law and order, to secure our southern border, which is wide open, right? It, it, it's a little surprising to me that that's the rhetoric coming out from the Democrats, but no, that's what they want to run on. Let them be, because I assure you, most Arizonans are concerned about their wallet. They're concerned about the wide open border with, and you have hundreds of thousands of illegals flocking it. And they're concerned about the rise of crime on our inner cities and our suburbs. So, you know, there's there's so much going on, and you know, the fentanyl crisis as well. And to have to have a this is a this is a problem with Chris May. She's a professor at Arizona State University. So imagine how she imagine how she would be as AG. It would be she'd be lecturing us all the time. She's she's not a practitioner. She's never been in a courtroom, I don't believe. So this this is what we're this is what we're going up against, and that's why I'm you know I'm optimistically um, you know cautious in the sense that I think we have got a good position. We're in a good position to defeat her. But yeah, we need all the support we can get, and we need to unite all Republicans um, in order to defeat the radical left this November. I'm reminded, uh, speaking of young, you may be too young to remember the movie uh, Dirty Harry, and obviously obviously it comes with its uh, taints and honors, as Shakespeare would say, but there's his new partner, and he asks what his new partner's uh, background is, and he says, I graduated with a degree in criminology from San Jose State, and Dirty Harry, without missing a beat, Clint Eastwood says, I hope you don't get us all killed <laughs> and the academic right this academic sophisticated view of crime i think you're absolutely right you're absolutely right when the progressives want to take over prosecutorial offices we don't need to theorize about what that would look like we have put those theoreticals into deployed practice we can see it in chicago we can see it in philadelphia we can see it in los angeles and we can see it in san francisco and all we need to know is even the Democrats there try to engage in recalls once they realize what they've wrought. Huh, Abe? Exactly. You're exactly right. And I just read an article today that Chester Boudin is not going to 
challenge um, the the now appointed district attorney since he's been removed from office. So, you know, that's a win, and that's what it requires. It, it requires us to beat back against George Soros and these radical leftists. I say prosecutors in quotes because they're really not prosecutors. They're, they're pinos. They're prosecutors in name only. That's a phrase. Criminals. Um, so this is this is where we're going to get tough. And you know, I think people recognize what's going on in our country so vividly right now. It, 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 our streets have turned into Gotham, and who wants to live under a radical leftist progressive dream that only exists in their in their in their minds? So you know, we live in reality. That we we live in the reality of the southern border that's that wide open we live with the reality of the fentanyl crisis we live with the reality of our of our streets turning into gotham and we're going to fight back and you know as republicans we're offering the best policy solutions for it and you know i've called upon the legislature to empower the ag's office to take over any felony cases in the state to prevent these radical prosecutors like the one down in pima county um who's refusing to prosecute certain cases so you know we're, we're going to get tough with it and people are going to recognize that and you know, Democrats, I just don't see their path in November as long as we get out the vote. Abe, uh, I've coined, I think I coined it. I don't know if you want to run with it or not. I give you uh, permission. You can do anything I give you. Uh, you can use anything I give you. But um, I've, I've coined the phrase pinos, prosecutors in name only. Stop the pinos. <laughs> Abe Hamaday, congratulations to you, man. I'm looking forward to your tenure. I'm looking forward to working with you on your way there, buddy. Thank you so much, Seth. I appreciate it. You betcha. Abe for AG.com is the website. I'm Seth, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602 is the number. Top of the next hour, uh, Brandon Weikert, the great Brandon Weikert, is uh, is going to join us, uh, and um, we'll talk about things going on in China, things going on in Russia, things uh, we're learning uh, from uh, Iran as well. Some of the stuff I was talking about in my in my monologue. Uh, real quickly, let's see if we can get to David in Scottsdale. I can't. Yeah, there we go. Hi, David. How are you? Hey, Seth. All good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing just fine, sir. Oh, awesome. I have a question for you, Seth, sure. regarding the, uh, this last election. Uh-huh. Um, so, and excuse my ignorance on this, Seth. Maybe you can answer this question or not, or maybe another listener can. How come on the ballot, when they already announced the local winners, like the Republican winners, Abe and Blake Masters, they can call that, but they can't call the governor's race? How does that work? I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Sure, because uh, yes, of course, uh, it's 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 too close to call with too many outstanding ballots, according to uh, the state of, and county election officials. So you may recall, for example, um, uh, for example, on uh, on the night of the election in 2020, mm-hmm. <laughs> all the Sturmendrang over oh. Fox News calling. Uh, Biden, uh, the winner with uh, I think he had an even bigger lead than there is in the governor's race right now. The governor's race last I checked was uh, what about a six percent difference uh, in that uh, case in Biden Trump. I think it was closer to uh, to an eight percent difference with a, with with even uh, with even more ballots outstanding. So I, my guess is it'll be called probably by the end of the evening. I don't think it'll go on until tomorrow. I just don't think it'll it'll probably be called by tonight. 
Okay, that's my best yeah, guess just, as to as to as to, as to how this is shaping up. It's just that it's it's that close with too many ballots out there. I mean, if you're down, if you put it this way, if you're down by I don't know uh, twelve thousand votes, let's say, which is what I think that's about where the governor's race is. If you're down by twelve thousand votes and there's over a hundred thousand to ca- to count, you would you 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 would want most of those counted probably. Yeah. And a lot of those ballots came in, you know, a lot of those ballots were same day voting and last minute and not last minute, but same day drop off. So we got early returns earlier. And that that's my best answer for it. But uh, we'll know. I'm I'm guessing we'll know by tonight. I'm best guess. Not my area of expertise, but I do recall. uh, (laughs) I recall how in 2020 we wished they waited just a tad longer, didn't we? All right. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 